Welcome to The Lumber Word, where industry veterans Matt Beamer, Greg Riley, and Ashley Buckholt dissect the world of commodity lumber each week. We bring you up-to-date insights on supply, demand, and market trends, sharing our trading expertise to benefit everyone in the supply chain. Join us for informative and entertaining discussions that guarantee to make you wiser about all things lumber. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the week of 12-12-2023. And this is The Lumber Word. Greg Riley, Sicker USA, Matt Beamer from Hampton Lumber. Going to have a great show this week. We're still putting the schedule together for the end of the year, but we figured today would be a great day to talk about a year-end roundup. Is that the right way to say it, Greg? Year-end sure. roundup? We're just gonna we're just gonna call it the lumber word wrapped. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, we'll just go, we're gonna take that from Spotify. You know, I mean, everybody loves to get their uh everybody loves to get their wrapped review so they can see what their what their music genres that they listen to in the year who their favorite artists are and so uh yeah we can we can do the same thing for our uh for lumber i love it so we're going to be safe and wrap our lumber word today and uh matt um let's figure i get you chuckling early um yeah so so there's the introduction let's I thought it would be great during this festive season to go around and talk about this year what we were grateful for so I'm grateful for starting a new job this year. Great deal going, getting back in, talking to the industry. I missed the last two years, really, of a lot of this crazy volatility. So I'm just grateful for having good markets. I could guess I could get an argument from some people that it's not that good. But from what I'm used to, it looks it looks great. So I'm, uh, I'm grateful for being here and uh, looking forward to a good 2024. I'm grateful for... Um... Well, hey, I work for the greatest lumber company on planet Earth, so that's that's something I'm grateful for. Um, you know, when you can go skiing with the owner of the company, it's kind of it's kind of cool. You know what I mean? Like the people that I work for, are just normal. The Hampton family is extremely normal, and so I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the what you mentioned, Ashley, about the lack of volatility. This has been a relatively stable year with. A couple of hundred, hundred and fifty dollar ups and down swings, but for the most part, the highs and lows have been in a pretty predictable range, and um, you know it makes it easier to run my business and sleep better at night. You know, you know, you don't make the crazy profits that you make with these massive swings, but you don't give away as much of the profit either on these massive down swings. So that, in that regard, I'm I'm grateful for that. But I'm, most of all, I'm just grateful for, I work for a really good company. I know a lot of really cool people such as yourselves and my customers are all really cool people too. So I'm just a, I'm a fortunate man, right? I've, I've ended up after 28 years of doing this in a, in a really good spot with, I enjoy what I do because I surrounded myself with people that I like. Love it. Love it. I'm grateful that, uh, to have Ashley on the team. I mean, it took me 10 years of trying to persuade him, bribe him, all of these things. Finally, finally, he saw the light and, and, and came over. And it's just, it's really fun. I will say, when I, I'm not really grateful for having to work a lot harder. He's making me have to do, you know, like work harder, which, but I'm, I'm figuring it's like, you know, short term for long term, not working as hard, if that makes any, if that makes any sense. You know, I am grateful this year has turned out to be, I think, a lot better than 
anyone anticipated a year ago. It's been pleasantly surprising, you know, to, to Matt's point. Yeah, there's a lot less volatility, but there still is uh, there still has been, a, been lots of opportunity in the year and, you know, across the spectrum. You know, yeah, we hear a lot of reports on producers that aren't really happy with the current numbers. But after the record years that they had in, you know, 21, 22, that's to be expected. I was trying to pull up a chart before we started, but it's pretty simple. Matt said we had some $100, $150 moves. Take me through what the lumber chart looked like from the beginning of the year and where we had little moves. We had that little little excitement in the first quarter, and it was over with almost as quick as it started. And then we just kind of, from my perspective, went into a nice market where you could still sell out of distribution. I would say going into this fourth quarter, the volatility dropped a little bit. It's been a little bit more problematic to move certain items, and certain items just keep flying off the shelf. How does that sound for a, for a quick overview? I think you're pretty accurate. At the beginning of the year, prices were pretty low. They were shut down prices. You know, you had, uh, in fact, I just looked at an email from a year ago to like tomorrow from one of the stud mills that I buy from. They were 300 mil on. On SPF studs, FOB mill, they're currently what are they, around. What are, they, what are they today? They're like 370, 380, maybe 360 on the low end. So I mean, we're a little bit higher on studs this year than last year coming into the end of the year. And then on number three, I could buy it. Let's say 385 Texas, Dallas. Let's say last year, this year I'm we're probably 60 to 70 dollars higher than that on on average. If you throw in random, you know, just random random tallies. Number two is what we're at five thirty something Chicago on the board, and last year we were selling number two for like three sixty mil, which is four seventy Chicago. So we're again just everything's a little bit more expensive right now going into the to first quarter of next year than last year. What you said about distribution, I think, is a reflection of higher interest rates, higher cost of carry of inventory, more focus on the end users carrying lower inventories. And so that's allowed people that are bring, either bringing in European lumber and shipping it out on trucks or bringing in rail cars and shipping out four trucks to a bigger seat at the table, so to speak, in terms of helping the retailers and end users operate their business without them paying for the inventory. Greg and I were talking yesterday, and I asked him the question, with adding all that into the mix of what you just said, Matt, interest rates, et cetera, if we took today, going into the end of the year, kind of looking forward to the first quarter in 2024 versus last year at this exact time, do you think inventory level at end users was higher or lower than it is today? Right now? Yeah, just, just I think I had it wrong. and. I asked Greg, what do you think? I mean, is inventory levels right now, if you went back exactly one year, are they higher or lower than they were last year at this time? I think they're lower. And I think they're higher. Ashley, you thought they were lower also. I, I did. I thought they were lower also. I, well, let's, let's have the discussion, Greg. So yeah. expand on that. Shane, you ignorant? No. <laughs> Jane. <laughs> <laughs> So, and here's my rationale for it. 
a year ago today, we were on the heels of having that sharp interest rate increase. Business, the attitude, things had slowed. People were talking about next year. I mean, for 2023, you know, hey, we're going to do a million one, a million two housing starts. There's a there was a there was a high degree the negativity from like mid November through the end of the year in the cash market I felt was really high, which was reflective in what they decided to do on inventory. As you remember, Matt, January futures were carrying a hundred and something dollar premium to the cash market. The basis opportunities were mind boggling. You know, and so that's what I when I look, I go, oh, okay. So that explained when we got into the first of the year why we had that big $150 rally in cash prices. To Ashley's point, we came in January, we rallied $150. We fell back a hundred and something dollars in pretty quick fashion. And then mid-March, we rallied a hundred and dollars a thousand and fell back. And you know, this year has been characterized by the the rain the the rallies being smaller and smaller and the setbacks being smaller and smaller you know that all being said if we look at it a year ago january futures low was $400 which is equivalent to 508 so right. western spruce 2 by 4 is basically the same price as a year ago Cash was way below that. If you remember, cash was sitting down in the low, you know, it was like 330, 340. Yeah, I do remember that because number three had gotten so much cheaper and then it was and there was still a spread for number two, right? I mean, but then what happened was everything firmed up in the first quarter. We had a general rally as we just discussed. But what really changed going into the second quarter was the price of number three kept going up and the price of number two went down. So by the time I got into March and April, I was buying number two, literally eight, eight cars out of 10, I was buying number two instead of number three and, sh and shipped into my inventory. And then that oh, went really? away. We got into May and June and, and July and that all went away. And now we've, we've maintained like a normal spread throughout the rest of this year between number two and number three. You look at the uh, Euro thing. That was also a big headache last year at this time. There was just a, a glut of European lumber sitting on the docks and vessels coming in that hadn't been unloaded yet. We had to work through that for the first half of the year. It took six months to write that, to turn the Titanic around. Maybe the question, so I guess the question is I asked, were the end users, I guess when I'm saying end users, talking large retail, trust plants, that multifamily job site, that type of thing, Greg, are you saying that the distributors, wholesalers, everybody last year at this time had more had more inventory than than currently does? And and the I mean the point that you made to me was there were also people that had a lot more optimism going into this year at the beginning of the year, right? Because no, no, no. We, it was the opposite. It was the opposite. Last year, going into this year, there was a high degree of negativity. Okay. Okay. And whereas, like, I think today, if I polled people, oh, maybe I should put out a poll on LinkedIn. Ooh, that would be exciting. What are we thinking? You're about right, next? Greg. Yeah. There was but, a lot of negativity a year ago. My general feeling right now is if I was going to poll a whole bunch of people what they thought 2024, 
they go, well, you know, it's not going to be that. It's going to, it's not going to be that bad. I mean, you know, I, of course I get the, the, you know, the random people that are always like, oh, it's going to be a lot better. But I think by and large, people think it's, it maybe not be, it, it's not, maybe may not be a lot better, but it's probably not going to be a lot worse. Right. That's just describing recency, you know, which is exactly, something that's we, exactly we all, right. We all suffer, right. we all suffer from it because we're human beings, but no two years are the same. Yep. We know this, right? So here, put on your wisdom hat. No two years are the same. You can't expect everything to stay the same forever. We're not in a static environment. You know, something will change. Either either some mills will come online or there, some mills will go away. You know, something will change on the production side. Something will change on the consumption side. Somebody will find new markets. You know, other species will cross over into new markets. I mean, yellow pine's still growing in terms of production capabilities. So that's something that's uh, that's always looming underneath the surface. And you know, I just don't think that it's very profitable to operate sawmills these days. Doesn't matter if you're in North America or if you're in Europe. There's just not a lot of money in it. The tolerance for loss and the tolerance for the status quo will be low from the producer side. Okay. I just believe that I, if they can't find a way to make some money, they're going to have to make some hard decisions in 2024. Nobody sees that coming. Nobody's talking about it. I think things will change. And then there'll be more consolidation on the consumer side, right? You know, here, here we are in a, in a business environment. When we started the year, there was uh, more independent lumber companies than, than there are now today at the end of the year, right? There, there was even more consolidation last year on the customer side, right? Am I wrong? That sounds right, Matt. So, so what's changed is that you have fewer customers to call on. Like if you're just a trading company or a distribution company, instead of talking to five different companies, you maybe you're talking to two now, right? And all those buying decisions are handled by a couple of people instead of seven people. So there's, there's less opinions at the table that affects the way lumber gets traded, right? They, they all answer to their bosses and their bosses are looking at things that might not have anything to do with supply and demand. They might be looking at corporate financials. They might be looking at, you know, stock price. They might be looking at the cost of money. The world's changed here in the last year. I highly doubt we're going to see 2024 be exactly the same as 2023. I would expect the first half of the year to be better than most people expect, but I'm, kind of negative on the second half of the year i don't know just my hunch don't don't ask me why i feel that way because i can't explain it but that's just my hunch going into 2024 put something predictively positive if you look at the itb which is the ishares us home construction etf it set a new all-time high I mean, in that, you know, so that's reflecting that that's reflecting the outlook for the housing industry, big builders in particular. So, you know, that looks like a real positive. And then, you know, I mean, then I look on the other side is builders for first source went, uh, you know, public and it's it's up at its all time high with 18 billion dollar market cap. Wasn't that long ago when they merged or they when they bought ProBuild for a billion dollars. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's worked out OK. Yeah, yeah, no, they turned yeah. out just fine. 
you know, as I as, and as I look, I mean, I guess my conclusions for next year on the demand side, and we went through this with when we talked actually with with Paul Janke at FEA, with Russ, with Lance. The challenge next year and the the biggest fall off is probably going to be on multifamily. Why? Record number of multifamily units coming online. Rents are falling. The article the other day in the Wall Street Journal is, hey, it makes no sense right now to buy. You should rent. Renting is cheaper than buying right now. Wildcard prediction 2024. New home prices could fall below existing home prices. In some markets, that's already the case. I don't know. I actually don't know that that's ever actually happened on a national basis. Wouldn't that help the uh, entry level buyer? Yeah. Yeah. The I people, mean, the but, people so, that need the most help. Which is why I think that the, the, the you know, single family homes are going to hold up and be a higher relative percentage of the market. So that's a positive. Greg, what do you think about the administration trying to help the new buyers that they put out uh, a couple couple days ago? What'd um, they say? What'd they say, Ash? There was something they floated out there about helping new entry-level buyers uh, through some type of support. Yeah, well, I mean, I, 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 I could sum it up in a nutshell, Ashley. The best thing they can do to help those people is stop doing everything that they are doing. Because all of their policies are, are what contributed to where we are today. The more they try and help specific and targeted groups, the more they hurt everyone as a whole. You know, between the industrial policy that the, the industrial policy that we have sprinkling pixie dust of hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars all around favored industries and favored groups, that only hurts the, the, the everybody everybody else. Best, it was announced thing they could, the best thing they could do is if they came out and said, hey, we're going to repurpose like this $7 trillion of money that we have sitting here that we're just trying to figure out how we're going to how we're going to dish out and we're going to use that and we're going to come out and we're going to have a, a balanced budget, right? We're going to stop spending money that we shouldn't be spending. That'd be great for everybody. That would that, that'd be the best thing to help the home buyers, new, new home buyers. Yeah. But that's no, just well, so one. That's just me. One thing, one thing that I saw that we we all deal with on a daily basis, and Greg, you mentioned it to me when I was going to Indianapolis and was looking for talking points. You're like, "Hey, back then, three months ago, oil was a hundred dollars a barrel, right? It's not anymore." And like one of the things I noticed this year, and especially different from 2022. You can travel a lot farther with loads out of different reloads now than you could a year ago, so to speak, right? Not as good as it was at one point this year where where rates got really low, but my prediction is maybe more trucking companies have issues. Uh, maybe we have too much overcapacity across the United States, and somehow that gets dealt with because certainly we, we get rates a lot better than we got a year ago. And... I mean, what are your what are your guys' thoughts on that? That's something we're talking about daily at Hampton because we we have to book like sixty eight thousand trucks a month or something like that. You know, it's stupid. Uh, yeah, we the the higher ups in the trucking world here at Hampton believe that the only thing saving the trucking companies right now is the cost of fuel has gone down. 
and there's more bankruptcies looming and there's just the trucking, the trucking business is in bad shape for just the, the math isn't working very well for them. So, you know, how does that affect rates in the future? Well, I mean, if we end up with fewer truckers to call on to book our loads in the future, and if there's an increase in demand again, then we'll just be back paying more and having guys cancel loads on us three times. You know what I mean? But, uh, that doesn't seem to be the case right now, whether it's rail or truck, it seems as though based on the kind of business volume that we're doing and that you guys are doing and that the industry's doing and that there's ample lanes and, and, and the, um, the speed of transit is, is as good as it's ever going to be. Yeah. I, I think that's that. Yeah. There, there's no doubt. There was a lot of money thrown over the last three years, especially to startups and tech and freight billions of dollars. I probably know more people now <laughs> trading at lumber or at uh, freight brokerage companies are about as many as I do that trade at uh, lumber brokerage companies. I hear about my friend's kids getting out of college and going to work for a lumber broker for a freight brokerage company. There's a, they must have some huge floors. You know what I'm what, saying? What Matt? about uh, what happened with the uh, international freight? Cause I know that quadrupled at one point, Greg, do you, you have any insight on what it, it takes to move product from Europe over the United States these days? All the, all the ocean, all ocean freight, you know, whether it's containers or brake bulk, has reduced kind of back to pre-COVID levels. You know, I mean, I guess my thing on trucking freight in availability, you know, if I think of like how crazy it went during COVID, where we were playing. We were paying, you know, double to 150% of what, you know, we had pre, it kind of came back almost all the way, not quite. And, you know, I'm maybe seeing, to Matt's point, there's a squeeze and there's a little bit less capacity in flatbeds, depending on the market. I mean, I guess the concern people need to have is the recognition that you know typically we get into the first quarter and trucking rates move higher particularly as you get into you know late february march and you get into the ag season depending on what your lanes are so i mean my forecast is is that we're going to pay more truck for truck freight next year for a number of the lanes that we ship out of that's my planning we have a lot of people that are multifamily buyers that are just getting into the buying process or seasoned buyers at an independent or at a large chain. So people are budgeting a lot for next year and they're having their bosses, or in some cases, they're the boss. They're trying to figure out how much wood to put on the ground for the first quarter, right? Or how to forecast for the first quarter. So if we're sitting here right now, what's your advice or what do you think for people? that are trying to figure out what kind of wood, how much wood they want to put on the ground. And I know the thing is, hey, if you've got a sold profit. Are they profit, trying to figure out how much wood would a woodchuck what? <laughs> would a woodchuck chuck? Yes. You know, yeah, and I think some, th there's not much some of, of it a premium, they've got sold. right? You've got like a small premium in the January contract, then another $16 premium to carry it for two more months. To me, that's not much of a premium at all. It's really just basically the cost of storage and, and cost of money. $16, $8 a month. So really not much risk for the, uh, the, the guy that's looking at, you know, what, if the board was like a $50 premium in March over January, 
and the back months were even higher, I, I, I would say. That. Yeah, I would, I'd love it too as a hedger, but that would be a pretty strong bull indicator. Well, what we have right now is a small bull indicator is what you're seeing. I mean, it doesn't, it's not really a huge one, but when you see the back months above the front months, that's generally speaking a slight bull. But the cost of carry right now isn't as good as it was a month ago. Greg, you pointed out a month ago that you could just basically lock in the first half of 2024 for flat. Remember? Yep. Yep. So that's changed. Uh, and, you know, maybe if the market is as good as I suspect it's going to be, then maybe it'll get even more expensive to carry lumber into the second half of the year. I would say right now, if it only costs you 16 bucks to lock in the first quarter, that's a virtually zero risk proposition from a from a financial perspective. Thoughts, Greg? You're thinking hard on that one. Yeah. So, you know, two by four Western SBF is obviously easy, but 80% of our world is in other species, other sizes than that. When I look at locking in for next year, there's a number of key items for the multifamily sector that are relatively undervalued. So, you know, I, I say, hey, well, there's not no, no real premium for the first quarter. When I put the basis premium on that item, I'm $100 over today's market. And oh, I see. That's yeah, a you're, not, talking, and that's, you're talking basis. I'm just talking flat numbers. The cost right. well, of that's, yeah. that's a non-starter for me. You know, because I I try and be I try and be as disciplined as I can be, and I will say this is is I you know I have passed on a half a dozen multifamily jobs for the first quarter of next year because of that, and that yeah. I may look back and go, boy, that was really dumb because the market did nothing, or I may look back and I go, wow, that boy, that was really smart. I I did a I did a good job, but honestly, I'm just going to look back and gonna go and nothing. I'm not going to say anything because. We Ash and I had a boss that you know had one of the greatest, the greatest things for the traders out there in the business, is the only orders that matter are the ones you take. All the other orders don't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I will. I could have uh, gone to state, Coach. <laughs> I'll I'll, conf I'll confirm, Greg. Is, Greg Greg's. Greg, you have been disciplined for all the times this year I came in and wanted to buy 20 of something. And you're like, hey, just why don't you walk back into your office and think about that? And I'll get back to you. I remember and, and when, I I was a, when I was a rookie, I uh, I used to bug my boss. I mean, when I first started buying lumbers, like in 1995, and, and I would just sit there and pepper my boss with questions. Hey, I can buy this. Hey, I can buy that. Just like you were just describing. <laughs> and, you know, he got tired of it. So one day he just looked at me, he scowled, he goes, because I, I always would say, hey, do you think I should buy this? That was my way of couching it, you know, because I didn't have the courage to do it myself yet. And he finally just glared at me, takes off his headset and glares at me. He goes, Beamer, if you think you can sell it, then you should probably buy it. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I never forgot that. It was a hard lesson, but he was giving me some tough love for the for a change instead of just humoring me and, you know, being nice about, oh, yeah, I don't know. You know, let me see. No, hey Matt, I had that this funny. week. I walked I walked into Greg's office with a mill list. I'm like, hey man, <laughs> I think I need to buy one of these or a couple of these. And he goes, Oh, great. He goes, Who are you gonna sell them to? <laughs> 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 and 
I either changed the subject or just walked out of the office. Uh. <laughs> so yeah, I've been there. But hey, look, look, that was a, this is a great roundup. But one thing I wanted to say that I'm grateful for Greg and Matt for us being able to do this every week because it really helps think through a few things and we give people some great information. And I was going to have a section where we talk about what we think are good values for 2024, but I don't think we want to. We're going to give that. We're going to save that for the champagne room after. Do you want to? You want to? You want to? You want (laughs) to? Hey, yeah. Do you want? Maybe we should do a show next week on like this is kind of the year in review wrapped, and then next week we'll do a predictions. We'll do a prediction show, right? I like I like that idea. I'm good with that. Where we could do some, but look at I am I am grateful for that. I think it. I'm grateful for all our listeners uh, who. I get calls and emails all the time asking questions, and I know personally it's helped my business, and it helped me get back into the business quite a bit. So, Matt, Greg, thanks for uh, thanks for making the show what it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, actually, to your point is, you know, we do this, we do this because we're all buds, and we love to we love to talk about this stuff, and I mean, we we can we could go on and on and. You know, as I've always said, is I do this as much to help me, like understand where my head's at as anything. But I am grateful for all of those listeners that that do that that have and do uh, support us with uh, with purchase orders. That's a really nice way to say thank you, and I appreciate that. Yeah, no, no doubt. And like I said, anybody that listens to this, like Matt, Matt, I mean. Look at what you do. What the, I'll, I'll let you talk about some of the places that you sell at if you want to. But people should reach out to Matt because uh, the areas that he trades in, I would say by far he pretty much he's the man. knows the market better the better than anybody. And so Matt, I'm, just a, you, I'm like, just a cog in the wheel of life. Basically, the western half of the United States is where I do most of my business, and whether it's uh, truck business. So I'm heavy trucks in Texas because I, I carry inventory down there. But, you know, I do a lot of business in Colorado and Arizona and New Mexico. And, and you know, our mills, Hampton, are Western, primarily West. Well, we are. All of our mills are either in Canada or in uh, Oregon or Washington. And so if you look at where we sell the most lumber, it's the Western half of the United States. And so I'm really helpful. If you if you want to talk about Western lumber and Western species, hell, I even trade ponderosa pine. I'm a, I'm a freaking dinosaur when it comes. That's to That's called kind of whitewoods, right, Matt? Don't you call that well, whitewoods? That's that's how you hey. you can stamp it whitewoods. But if you sell it to a treater, you can stamp it pond pine. You got to know your customers. Now, now, Matt, are you are you taking any new client? Are you taking any new clients on for 2024? You know, I'm always listening. You know, my goal for 2024 is to. Um, I want to rededicate myself to finding some of these niche customers that uh, that we all need to have. So I, I guess my one tip would be for anyone that's trading lumber is you got to have your horses in the game, right? You got to have some some people that, that support you that can really support you all the time on a on a scale. But you need to have some niche customers that buy weird stuff that that you can you know figure out a way to to trade with that guy. And that makes this business all the more interesting if you have some people like that. That you can't you can't just have all the same type of customer. You got to have a variety of different types of customers. So there's my yeah, tip you want, for I mean, 2020. You want to sell you want to sell across you know different product classes, and you also want to sell it there against different customer classes because you know there's different customer classes that are 
that are more active in at different types and times of the market. Just like there's you know products that are products that are more active during different types of the market. Ash, I think we I think we should wrap it wrap today. What do you think? Yes, yes, we should wrap it up. I'm just trying to find the uh, the place since I lost your guys' picture here. Where to? Uh, how to close it out? Next Wednesdays for predictions for 2024. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Got it. Let's do it. All right. See you guys. All right, thanks, guys. See you. Bye. All right. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Lumber Word. The Lumber Word podcast is dedicated to engaging conversations about the lumber industry, including trading ideas, market trends, and evaluations of overvalued and undervalued assets. We wish to emphasize that the discussions and opinions expressed in this podcast are purely for informational and entertainment purposes. They should not be considered as financial or investment advice. We encourage our listeners to make their own financial decisions, taking into account their unique circumstances and financial goals, and to seek professional financial advice if necessary.